You're listening to audio from Embassy Church. We exist to advance the message and ministry of Jesus in the city of Bloomington, on the campus of IU, and to the ends of the earth. embassy it is a joy to be with you um man i love christmas i I really do i really do Uh, my name is chris cook i'm the lead pastor here at embassy if you're joining us for the first time if you're a guest super glad you're here uh welcome uh this is uh this is our home and so uh, it's a privilege that you've uh you've chosen to spend some time with us Um, what i want to do is actually open to the gospel of luke Uh, so if you have your bible with you or if you have a uh, a bible app you can turn to luke chapter 2 um and we are going to read the Christmas story, uh, Luke's account of it at least, a couple verses. And so I just want to read it off the top, um, and then we can kind of break it down a little bit. Um, but Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20 is where we'll be. And so I'll read for us. Verse 8, it says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior is born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, For all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Now this is the Christmas story. It's a story that no doubt most of us uh, are familiar with. Um, And no doubt you've heard it at this time many times. Uh, And so what I want to do tonight um, is actually talk about what kind of story the Christmas story is. Uh, There's a lot of kinds of stories. There's stories that that inform us, uh, maybe give us moral lessons. We share stories like that. Um, there's stories that, that entertain us or amuse us. We share stories like that. And, and often we can hear the Christmas story or share the Christmas story as if it's one of those two things. If it's a, a moral teaching or uh, just a, a piece of information for entertainment and amusement. And that's actually not at all what the Christmas story is. It's not that kind of story. Now certain there are moral lessons, certain uh, it is amusing, but there's so much more to the Christmas story than entertainment or amusement. So, um, if you were raised in a more conservative family or conservative context, um, maybe you were raised in a family that, that bemoaned the, the changing of Christmas trees to Xmas trees or the changing of Christmas holidays to winter holidays, you might have heard the Christmas story told as, as a moral teaching, something to inform you. If you were raised in a more liberal home or a liberal context, um, maybe you did the, the baby in a manger thing. Maybe you did the elf on a shelf thing. You did whatever put wonder in a young child's eyes thing or made people kind for a month kind of thing. Um, But maybe you've heard the Christmas story as a little more entertainment, a little more amusement. 
And what I want to look at tonight, what I think our, our text is going to show us tonight in Luke chapter 2, is the Christmas story is actually something quite different than something to entertain us or something to, in, to, uh, to inform us or to teach us. The Christmas story is actually, uh, it's an announcement, uh, and it's an answer. And to understand the Christmas story as an answer, we have to understand the question. So the question is ultimately not the context of what's going on, um, but the big picture of what's going on. I'm from Louisiana. Uh, after this, we'll pile our three little kiddos in a car. We'll drive 13 hours, which will be fantastic. We won't let our kids drink at all. Uh, I know it's, it sounds terrible, but we don't let them drink. Um, and we just go. And we hope we make it there. And what we'll do on the 24th uh, is what we've done my entire life. We'll reenact the Christmas story. And there will be sheep. There will be wise men. There will be stars. There will be shepherds. There will be all these things. And this is what we've done for... I mean, 34 years of my life. Uh, and if any of those things were missing, I'd go, man, that's, that's not the story. But I, what I want us to see in Luke's text is the story uh, in the context of it has really nothing to do with the, the detail or the character. It has everything to do with the brokenness that Jesus came into. We'll never understand the Christmas story as an answer if we don't understand that the Christmas question is the brokenness of the world. The Christmas question is the brokenness of the world. When we look outside, we see brokenness. When we look out the window, we see brokenness. When we look in the mirror, we see brokenness. And the Christmas story is God's answer to that innate human question of, God, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about the brokenness that we, we feel around us, that we see around us, that we sense around us? And again, I, I want us to kind of reframe the story tonight uh, and see God's answer to this Christmas question, what he's going to do about the brokenness of our world. So Luke 2, 8 through 20, is going to answer three quick things. What the Christmas story is, who it's for, and how we should respond to it. Now, I already tipped my hand uh, telling you what the Christmas story is by telling you what it isn't. It, it isn't just mere entertainment. It isn't just information for us, um, even that's, that's a moral kind of to-do. Um, it's an announcement. It's a proclamation. It's God's answer to our question of what he is going to do about the brokenness of the world. I want you to look real quickly at verses 10 through 12. And this is the angel's proclamation to the shepherds. The angel comes, the angel of the Lord, and he proclaims this. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Ultimately, the Christmas story is an announcement for everyone. Not just for someone, not just for Christians or, or traditionalists, just, not just for good people, right? It's, it's for everyone. It's a, a God-sized answer to a, a deeply human question about brokenness. And it's for all the people. And then secondly, the angel states in verse 11, that in the city of David, there's born for you one who is a Messiah, who is the Lord. So the Christmas story is for everyone, and it's a fulfillment of God's promises, now, if you've been to embassy for any length of time, you'll hear me uh, encourage you to bring your Bibles. There's something about opening that Bible, looking at it, reading it, just the, the pages of it. But if you have your, your phone tonight, you're actually in a good spot. Because if you're looking at the Bible on your phone, you probably have superscripts above each of those titles in verse 11. And if you click on those superscripts, it'll bring you to Old Testament passages, which are the promises of God of this Messiah that would come, this Savior that would come, that would be Christ the Lord. These promises in 2 Samuel, in the Psalms, in Daniel, of God's answer to the question of what are you going to do, God, about the brokenness that we see around us? Again, this is the, 
the Christmas answer to the Christmas question. And then thirdly, you see in verse 12, the angels say, this is a sign for you. A baby tightly wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. The Christmas story is for everyone. It's a fulfillment of God's promises. And then ultimately, it's not just information, but it's an invitation about someone we can find. Okay? So what is the Christmas story? It's an announcement. It's a proclamation. It is news. It is good news of great joy for you and I to respond to. But secondly, who's it for? Now, yes, it's for everyone, but I want us to key in a little bit on who this announcement actually comes to. You see, it's not just everyone, but it comes to someone, and it actually comes to no one's. The announcement comes to shepherds. Now, track with me, um, because it should be peculiar that it's shepherds who get the first birth announcement. Right? My, my wife and I uh, sent out Christmas cards. Anybody do Christmas cards this year? Not really, because we post on Instagram, sort of, kind of. We still do Christmas cards. And, man, it is, a, it is work to kind of go through a list. And, and who are you going to send it to? And you feel bad when you kind of cut people out of it. You're just like, oh, I don't know if they made it. The first Christmas card, or the first person on, on God's Christmas card list was shepherds. Right? The first person on God's birth announcement list was shepherds. And that should strike us as peculiar, as, as interesting, because shepherds were no one. And this is what I mean. And again, I want you to track with me. But we order human society around the people that we find the most important. Right? This is how humans flock together. Those that are the most important are at their, the city centers, if you will. Right? They're, they're the heads of businesses, the, the leaders of academia, the, the politicians. They're at the city center. They're in Jerusalem. Yet God's first birth announcement of his one and only son comes not just to everyone, but to someone, and those someones were no ones, and they were shepherds. The lower caste of Israeli society, of Jewish society, of Hebrew society, and they were scattered on a mountainside. And this is who God chose to announce the Christmas story to. Again, it if it wasn't so familiar, it should strike us as peculiar. So this is the question I want us to, to think about real quickly. What does it say about heaven's king that the first people granted an audience to were shepherds? That the first people granted an audience to were no ones. They weren't white collar. They weren't blue collar. They were no collars. What does it say about the Jesus that they came to see. What I would say is it, it, would, it would make that announcement be for someone specific or maybe a specific posture. See, the Christmas story is, is not for everyone in, in, in all senses because there's only some that can really hear it for what it is. The Christmas story is ultimately for the humble. It takes a shepherd to hear it for the announcement that it is and respond to it. Now, why? Now, track with me again um, about what it is we're reading. And I think familiarity is our worst enemy here because we read this story over and over again. But I want you to consider what the shepherds were told they'll see. They were told they will see a Savior born for them who is Messiah the Lord, right? We got that. But then the next line, this is what the angel says. You will find him swaddled and lying in a manger. Your Savior, your anointed one, your Christ, 
you will find frail, weak, humble, limited. Shocking. Shocking. The Christmas story tells us that Jesus, King Jesus, went from being omnipresent, present everywhere at the same time, to being wrapped like a present and swaddled so he couldn't even get his arms out from his side. He went from being God unconstrained to God limited. Are you tracking with me? That's peculiar. Right? The Christmas story tells us that King Jesus went from being omnipotent, able to do anything, to being unable to do most things except eat, sleep, or poop. Again, that's, that's peculiar, from God Almighty to God weak and tiny. This is what the shepherds saw. This is what they heard before they saw it. Your Savior, you're going to find him lying in a manger. Your Christ, you're going to find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. Your King, you're going to find him in a stable. The Christmas story tells us that King Jesus went from being sovereign, from having supreme authority to being in submission to his earthly parents whom he created. From God in complete control to God with a curfew. That's peculiar. And again, familiarity is, is our worst enemy when we read the Christmas story. Because what I want us to grasp here in this, these quick 20 minutes is how strange that is. What I want us to grasp is how strange it is that the Christmas story was announced to no one's. Shepherds on a hillside, and they were told that their Savior would be swaddled in a manger. And there's an offense to that. There's a, there's a piece to that proclamation that's almost too hard to receive. What it should tell us is that it's only for the humble because only the humble can receive it. You see, to have a king that is that low, one has to get lower. To have a king that is that, that humble, one has to be humbled. And my concern, my, my, my challenge, I think, as I, I spend time as a pastor and, and, and talk about Jesus a lot with a lot of people, is the story of Christmas that we often share isn't really sto the story that's right here in Luke 2. It isn't just the, the, the raw, shocking reality that God lowered himself to become like us and therefore, to really receive it for what it is, we have to lower ourselves. You know, Mary, a chapter before, starts singing the Lord's praises um, when she meets Elizabeth. And she makes this statement that she's blessed because this child ultimately is going to be what God uses to raise the lowly and to humble the proud. And that's ultimately what the Christmas story is about. It's about humbling the proud but, but raising the lowly. And so this goes to our last point, how do we respond, right? If the Christmas story is not just moral teaching, it's not just entertainment, it's an announcement, and it's an announcement for everyone, but especially the no ones, how do we respond to it? What do we do in response to this? Because it's got to be more than just showing up at embassy, it's got to be more than, than lights, it's got to be more than Christmas carols and, and presents, there's a, there's a response that we see from the shepherds that I don't want us to miss. Look at what the shepherds do when they hear the announcement from the angel. Look at verse 15. 
the shepherds respond with, let's go straight to Bethlehem. And in verse 16, Luke gives us some narration. He says, they hurried off. And I love this. The no ones, the shepherds, they don't take the scenic route, right? If this is me, and, and people know this about me, I, I kind of, they call me Winnie the Pooh at times. I, I just take my time. Uh, I can chase butterflies. I can enjoy myself. I, I wouldn't be a very good shepherd. The shepherds go straight and they go fast. Right? They, they don't stop at, at, at marathon and pick up road trip snacks. They, they don't slow down and just kind of like do it whenever. But they, they hear this proclamation. They're not shocked by it. And they go straight and they go fast. They make a beeline double time. And they go see what the angels proclaimed. And this is what I don't want us to miss. The shepherds, uh, again, I want you to think about this birth announcement imagery. They get a birth announcement, a heavenly birth announcement for the king of the world. And they don't just see it as mere information. They see it as an invitation. Okay? Now, I have three little girls, and I can almost tell you by name every single person that visited us at the hospital or in our home after we had our children. If you're a mom and you're a dad, you probably can too. Right? Because as we sent out birth announcements, whether it's a, a, a card we put in the mail, whether it's a text of a picture, right? Kid all swollen up and you're like, it's the most beautiful thing. And your friend gets it and they're like, whoa, beautiful kid, man. Right? You send out this birth announcement and, and it's not just information. If you're a parent, it's an invitation to come and celebrate the child. And the shepherds got this. That it wasn't just information. Like, can you imagine how foolish the shepherds would have been if, if the heavens open and an angel stands before them and, and shares the Christmas proclamation, and they're like, man, that's great. And it's just mere information. It's just the Christmas story. But it doesn't move them at all. How foolish. But all too often, again, we, we miss the Christmas story. We make it something it's not. We don't see it for the invitation that it is. Because it's just mere seasonal entertainment. It's just mere moral teaching. Ultimately, the Christmas story is an answer to the brokenness that we sense all around us. And it's an invitation to God himself. Do you see this? You see how the shepherds, they go straight, they go fast, they don't stop, they don't turn to their left, they don't turn to their right, and they respond. And I think all too often, either we miss the Christmas story for what it is, or when we do sense it for what it is. When, when we do sit in here and we sing songs like we just sung, when we do hear the, the scriptures open and the gospel preached and our heart just kind of flutters, and we have a sense of wonder, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to respond to that invitation. And so here's my encouragement to you. If you've only seen the Christmas story as some kind of moral teaching, if you've only seen the Christmas story as, as just seasonal entertainment, you've never heard it as the announcement that it is, if you've never, never heard it as the invitation that it is to come to the Savior born for you, that tonight you'd hear it differently. And it's really simple. You take a page from the no ones, right? You take a page from the shepherds, that you just go straight and you go fast. I want to read from us a, a song that we're going to sing right after this. 
a couple lines. It goes like this. It says, come behold the wondrous mystery. In the dawning of the king, he the theme of heaven's praises robed in frail humanity. In our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. Look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh, and ransomed us. This is what the shepherds did. They saw the announcement or they heard the announcement. It wasn't mere information. It was invitation, and they looked on Christ. They went straight, and they went fast. And they stared at the Savior swaddled, right? They stared at the Holy One in a onesie. And it wasn't offensive because they weren't self-righteous. They weren't self-sufficient. They weren't too proud to receive it. And the announcement came to them. And so, in closing, I want to ask you this. Have you heard the Christmas story that way? Have you heard the Christmas story, again, not as just seasonal amusement, not as just mere information. Have you heard the Christmas story as the invitation that it is? An invitation to come and look at not just the Savior of the world, but your Savior. And if you haven't, I'd ask you to do that tonight. Somewhere in the singing, somewhere in the sitting, somewhere in the conversation after, take some steps, go straight and fast towards getting to know this Savior that came for you. And I think you'll find this, that it's not you receiving Jesus, but Jesus receiving you. When you look at this scene, it's not the shepherds that received King Jesus, but King Jesus that received them. They actually stood in his audience, and they wondered at him, at what God did to answer their brokenness. So they didn't have to fix themselves up, pick themselves up, or clean themselves up. God did it. And that's what we get to celebrate this Christmas season. So let me pray for us that we would be a church. Let me pray for us that we'd be a people that stare at the wonder of the incarnation, at God's answer to our Christmas question of what is he going to do about the brokenness that we see around us. He's going to send a Savior, not just to fix the world, but to fix us, to fix our hearts, and to save us from our sins. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Luke 2. We thank you for the Christmas story. We thank you that it's so much more than mere moral teaching. We thank you that it's so much more this seasonal entertainment, we thank you that it's an announcement. It's a proclamation. It's a birth announcement of invitation for us to come and just stare. Stare at King Jesus made low. Stare at King Jesus wrapped in human flesh and put in a manger. And would that move us to wonder? Would it move us to just awe? Would it move us to just a sense of humility that you would come to us because we could never get to you? And I pray for each and every person in this room. I pray that you would give us clarity. Would you help us to hear the Christmas story as it was meant to be told? And would it never grow old? Would it never become dull in its familiarity? Would it always produce in us a childlike wonder of what you did for us, an answer to our deepest longings and questions of our brokenness around us, our brokenness within us? Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the hope that we have in him. And I pray these things in his name, his authority, and his power. Amen.
Thanks for listening. To learn more about us or to get connected, please visit embassybtown.org.